This is the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Fur Neiman. If you're looking to generate wealth and passive income in the lucrative world of mobile home parks, you're in the right place. You'll discover solutions to the common legal and operational pitfalls and how to optimize parks to maximize income. Your host is in the trenches. He's a real estate attorney, financial analyst, and mobile home park investor and operator. Now, let's turn it over to Fern Neiman. Welcome back, Mobile Home Park Nation. Here tonight, continuing my discussion from the last episode on rezoning variances and conditional use permits. These, again, are ways to maximize and utilize the, the property to the fullest, despite opposition from a municipality and and really to try to get away from or get out of some sort of code restriction oftentimes these code restrictions are not actually valid or enforceable but sometimes um, it's better to play the city's game and go through the hoops of a rezone or variance or a cup rather than a lawsuit Um, i fight these issues quite a bit Um, the merits of the case on zoning are very one jurisdiction specific and two fact specific to the particular instance. So it's 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 really hard to give, you know, a blanket answer to somebody. Oh yeah, you'll win. It's like, well, I haven't read the code in the city of X. I need to find out. I haven't looked at the case law in the state of Y and the district of Eastern. I'm I'm dealing with one in Missouri right now, uh, where I'm where I live and, and it's where I, you know, I host my practice. And there's a really strong Eastern District of Missouri case on setbacks and ability to replace homes and grandfather status but a lot of cities frankly don't want to hear about it and they want to fight it especially cities that are like well we're in the western district of missouri or we're in the southern district of missouri i'm like so the way it works basically is if it's from a different district it's not supreme court it's not binding um it's, it's persuasive case law but it's not compelling to the point that they have to follow it this is why you see the United States Supreme Court, all those cases of, that they hear, there's a you know a justiceable uh, controversy that different court of appeals districts have ruled on this in different ways, where there's a new and distinct fact pattern. So anyway, um, all this stuff is very case fact-specific and case-by-case specific, but it's important to at least know your rights and know the processes. So we talked about the rezone on the previous episode. Uh, I may touch on that some more, but I really want to focus here on variances. And we may get to conditional use permits in this one as well. Um, a variance, I, I tell people, it's basically an exception to the rule. And it can't be an exception to the rule as like a favor to me or you. Cause that's that's basically spot zoning. It's, it's, it's a one-off, uh, inappropriate exception. But a variance, um, it's, it's really, it comes from an administrative body. A lot of times, I'm typically from a board of zoning adjustment or board board of zoning appeals, which is a quasi-governmental body. That, you know, basically they're appointed citizens who really like dealing with this stuff and you know really care about their neighborhood and their town. Typically, they're not paid. They're not elected officials. You're not allowed to lobby them, meaning go meet with them and pitch your case like you can with the city council. So it's definitely a different process. Um, you got to go through, like like a rezone. You got to go through public hearings, and you got to pay a fee and provide documents. But it's not that onerous a process. It's just variants are supposed to be rare. In practice, they're given out, you know, frankly more than they should be. But it's basically an administrative 
decision or disc discretionary move to, to waive some zoning requirement. So, for example, in mobile home park world, oftentimes there's a code provision that says mobile homes must have the following setbacks from both uh, perimeter and internal to the other buildings. So let's say, for example, that the external perimeter setbacks is you know, 20 feet on the, the rear and the sides of the property and 30 feet in the front of the property, which is typically the main entrance on the busiest road most times. Well, if I have a mobile home that is currently 29 feet from the front front street, I'm grandfathered in if, I, if my home was there before the 30-foot code provision. But let's say that home burns down. And I want to put that, I love the home. It was a 1680, you know, beautiful home on the, with the, you know, hitch end elevation and planter boxes and pitch roof and porch model and all kinds of great stuff. And I want the same model. Well, I can't put it in the same spot because there's new code. Now, you could argue, and I will argue all the time, that, no, no, I'm, I'm just a parking lot as a mobile home park and I'm immune from the setback requirements as it pertains to perimeter setbacks so long as it's not a fire code issue or a public safety issue which if it was one foot from the from the street to be a public safety issue because cars could hit it but 29 to 30 i would frankly argue that you know that the code doesn't apply to me but the city tries to put the screws to me it might not be worth suing uh you know the juice didn't work to squeeze perhaps to, to file a lawsuit to get one foot maybe i just gotta suck it up and buy a smaller house um, or i go for a variance and the variance is me saying hey look I acknowledge that the code says I can't bring a home within 30 feet of the external perimeter setback, but I had one there at 29. I really want the same home. I got it from grandma. It's really near and dear to my heart. Can I have an exception, bring the same home and have 29 feet? Well, that would be an area variance, basically it's, uh, meaning an exception based on the district code um, relative to what other landowners have so this, if the similarly situated landowners have a certain right and restriction i'm supposed to have the same the variance is like look i'm 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 hard i have a hardship my situation's worse and the way my situation's worse may be an odd configuration you know dense lot a corner lot basically i go to ask for a variance when it's like hey look i've got a an unusual and quote unjust inequitable situation and i didn't create it so in my example, my 30-foot home, my home that's, 30, that's 29 feet away and a 30-foot setback, if I put in the roadway in a manner to put the home 29 feet away because I like the, the view of the ocean from there or something, well, I kind of created that. But if the roadway was already there and it was designed that, look, we got a, a house, then we got a road, and then we got another set of houses at the end of the back property, well, it's kind of already shoehorned in there. That was the previous guy. That was the guy that built it 50 years ago. So I would say, look, I need to, I need a variance. And there's two types of variance. There's area variance, which I'm talking about ad nauseum, and there's a use variance. Use variances are pretty rare. And that would be like, look, I'm in a residential neighborhood, and I'm supposed to be single family, but uh, I really like, you know, train cars, and I want to, I want to build a little mini train set or something, or I want to put a gas station in in a different different use than is permitted in my R1 zoning classification. Those are rare. Some cities will have them have, make you go down the conditional use process instead. So I'm, I'm going to focus on the ones that are more MHP specific here, which is obviously the setback, the setback variance. And interestingly, mobile homes are not considered structures. 
unless they're legally affixed to the real estate, which basically is an abandonment of the title. And you, you know, go down and record. I've done it once or twice. You got to go record the information on the home at the county recorder deeds office. And they, uh, they basically forfeit your mobile home and they give you real estate and you get taxed for ad valorem purposes by the county appraiser's real property. Uh, doesn't doesn't really happen much in a mobile home park, but it it, it makes the financing easier, and it work. It makes sense to do it if you got a mobile home out on you know ten acres and you want to you know put it on concrete blocks and everything like that, but not typical in a mobile home park. Anyway, um, the variance is supposed to be something again unusual characteristic that that I didn't cause, and technically the variance should be something that's going to going to help comply with the comprehensive plan or the zoning ordinance. Frankly, it doesn't happen a lot like that. These cities and these board of zoning adjustments give out variances to sometimes for seemingly no reason. But the purpose of it is to set me up in a, a fair, equitable situation. So one thing that's helpful if you ever ask for a variance is to look and see if anybody else ever, ever asked for a similar variance. So if the other parks in town asked for a similar variance and received it, you better get it. If the other parks asked for it and did not get it, you probably shouldn't, and if you do, you got lucky and pretty much spot zoning. So, uh, you got to work the city. You got to prove that. Look, this is not this is necessary because I've got a problem that I didn't create. I had a, I bought a park in Illinois one time, and you know the the park predated the city. So the guy that sold part of his farm for the park, they carved out exactly the size they needed for the horseshoe road and you know 50 some lots and the homes were put in literally up against the property line which was a fence i mean some of them two inches away well then the surrounding farmland was sold off city park neighborhood all that so i wanted to replace some of these homes well they're two inches from the property line the current setback is 20 feet and fire code is also not going to be my favorite so i had to go to the city and say look I need, a, I need a variance from the current setbacks because practically I cannot reuse these lots. These are 60-foot homes on a 60-foot, 2-inch lot. If I got to abide by a 20-foot setback, I'm talking 40-foot, 2-inch homes. I'm screwed, right? I can't use those. Um, I can't do anything with them. And and there was no, there were no structures or buildings on the adjacent property within the fire code. So I said, look... I'm not asking to put the homes end-to-end two inches. I'm asking for the external setbacks to be two inches. And I had to measure every single lot and take pictures of, look, this is lot number one, it's two inches, lot number three, it's eight inches, and so on, and and go through the city process in order to get a variance. And I was able to prove, look, this is a really tough hardship for me. I can't reuse these lots due to, the, frankly, the market of selling mobile homes, but also there's the common size of mobile homes today. So it was a big problem. And I didn't create it. And I'm if you enforce the setbacks to, against me, you know, like you do all other similarly situated property owners, like the mobile home park literally directly across the street, they don't have the same perimeter problems. I'm going to be up a creek, right? They're going to have me, they're going to be smoking me on home sales. So anyway, I found a city zoning administrator that was uh, amenable to that request. But that is a good instance of when you should get a, zone, should get a variance um, from an area variance. But again, they're pretty rare they're supposed to be rare and it's just another way to try to maximize and utilize your property in the face of you know a code a code restriction that you can't comply with
Till next time, God bless. You've been listening to the Mobile Home Park Lawyer Podcast with Ferd Neiman. Ready to learn more? Go to www.themobilehomelawyer.com for free resources and materials to help you succeed. If you love the podcast, go to Apple Podcasts, give us your review, and subscribe today. Thank you for listening. Neither the Supreme Court of Missouri nor the Missouri Bar reviews nor approves certifying organizations or specialist designations. The choice of a lawyer is an important decision and should not be based solely upon advertisements.